Welcome to the Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Young Turks, Real Time with Bill Maher, Countdown, NPR, and The Daily Show. Yesterday, I called for the public option to be non-negotiable, to be part of the health care plan. I went on and on about it for about 10, 15 minutes. I said, we must have it. And guess who apparently was listening? That's not a big deal. Barack Obama. Uh, obviously. Uh, he was obviously probably in the chat room. You know how he rolls. And, uh, and he came out today and uh, gave a little speech in Wisconsin, uh, doing some public rallies. This is where he really applies the pressure to the uh, congressmen and senators on both sides of the aisle when he reaches out to the American people and speaks directly to them. And he said, we must have the public option as part of health care reform. Hey, look at that. That's excellent. All right, now we're having fun. Uh, so uh, I'm glad that uh, President Obama's is watching the Young Turks and agrees. Uh, apparently not everybody does, though. You know what I'm going to go to first? I'm going to go to clip number five here. It's Chuck Grassley. He's a Republican uh, from uh, Iowa, and he's going to be talking to Andrea Mitchell about that public option. What he says, not really true, but you'll be able to tell from even what he says because it doesn't make any sense. But I'll come back and explain it just for fun. Here we go. Uh, right now, the Republicans on finance, all the Republicans except for Olympia Snow, have come out against the public option. What is your objection to the public option? My objection to the public option is based upon the Lewin think tank, a think tank study that says 190, 19 million people will opt out of uh, private health insurance. When you only have 50 million left, premiums are going to go way up. And then the president's promise during the campaign that if you want to keep your existing health insurance, you ought to be able to keep it, will not be reality. And I think that we, uh, when 80% of the people in this country are satisfied with the insurance we have, we want to make sure we don't upset that apple cart. Wait, 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 wait. I'm doing the math here. Does this make any sense to you guys? He says 119 million people will opt out of private insurance. And then at the end, he says 80% of the people are satisfied with their private insurance right now. Well, if they're so satisfied with it, why would they opt out? Why does God need a spaceship? Think about it, Chuck Grassley. It doesn't make any kind of sense. He's like, no, 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 we can't have this public option. It's going to be too good, way too good. Everybody's going to get the hell out, and 119 million people are going to go. And he says, and then you see that the president cannot keep his promise of if you want to keep your uh, private insurance, you can. But listen to that promise. If you want to keep your private insurance, you can. That is 100% true. But apparently, you, most people will not. See, but that's the whole essence of it right there. The Republicans know that, uh, that 119 million people will take the public option. That's what they're afraid of. Now, why are they afraid of that? Obviously, the people are going to take that if it's a better deal, right? And so their constituents are going to get a better deal. So why do they care? Or why are they against it? I know, it's a joke, right? <laughs> Republicans caring about their constituents. That's a good one. Come on, come on, come on, come on. No, of course, their real constituents are the healthcare companies that are feeding them all this money, right, for their campaign coffers. So they know that the public option is better and that the public will choose it. That, they, he just quoted it on TV saying 119 million people are going to take it right away. There's only going to be 50 million left in private insurance. 
so if he cared about the people, then he would be happy about it. But he doesn't. He cares about the private insurance companies that pay his bills. And that's how, unfortunately, our system of government works these days. So don't let him trick you with any of this nonsense about how uh, it's not going to work. And their main argument, as you can see here, is that it's going to work too well. I can live with that. I really can't. So now uh, Tom Colburn is going to go on uh, another program here, and he's going to talk about uh, the other aspects of this that he's uncomfortable with. Uh, these are going to be... Well, lies is too strong a word. It is. Uh, it's, they're misdirections. So let's check this out. Clip number four. Uh, Health care is about individuals. Uh, we tend to think of it as a program, uh, but it's really about people. And it's about what they need, when they need it, and what they and their physician thinks they need, not what somebody outside of that, whether it be an insurance company or the government thinks. And a public plan, as it's been called, doesn't satisfy that? Well, first of all, just just put in perspective for a minute. Uh, what does the government do well in health care now? Uh, and what does it do well financially? Uh, Medicare's $38 trillion we're going to transfer to our children that we haven't paid for in Medicare. Uh, it has $80 billion at a minimum of fraud a year. Uh, Medicaid is unsustainable as well. Uh, the states are drowning in Medicaid costs. Uh, and it has about $40 billion worth of fraud. So <clears throat> if you look at Indian health care and you look at what we promise to give people and then don't, or you look at VA, even though VA is improving, it's still not up to the level of the health care in the rest of the country. Um, the idea that a bureaucrat somewhere will make decisions about health care and coverage uh, I think is untenable to most Americans. What most Americans want is the ability to afford the health care, to get it when they want it, where they want it, and by whom they want it. And I think we can accomplish a great thing for the country coming together uh, if we solve the real problems that are out there. You know, I always wonder with these Republicans whether they actually mean it. You know, because Coburn, I've talked about this a lot in the past, is a fairly principled guy. You know, he obviously I don't agree with him. I'm going to tell you ten different ways I don't agree with that clip right there. But I wonder if he really means that stuff. I, probably he does. But it's, when you look at the numbers, it's so hard to justify the, the misdirection that he's going. Okay, look, so let's break it down. He says, uh, first of all, what do people want? Uh, they want the doctors, and they want to be able to choose it any time they like. But you see, the public option allows for that. It's not uh, the government coming in and saying, you must see Dr. Smith and not Dr. Jones. No, in fact, you know who does that? Private companies. How many of your insurance companies say, no, you don't get to choose that doctor. You have to go through our providers. That happened to me last week. <laughs> so when he talks about government bureaucrats, and that's the biggest you know, lie, I don't know, how, whatever you want to call it, right? Untruth uh, of this whole propaganda effort by the Republicans. Um, they say, oh, bureaucrats, you want government bureaucrats running, telling you which doctor you can go to? Well, there's two problems with that. One, the public option is not government bureaucrats telling you what doctor you can do, go to. You can go to any damn doctor you like. It's insurance. They handle the insurance part of it, okay? They don't say you have to go to Dr. X, Y, or Z. And let's say for a second that they applied it wrong, and it became that way. Well, great. Then you have a choice. You don't have to go with it. You can go with private insurance. 
so then nobody will opt in, right? So what, what are they so scared of? They're scared that it's actually going to work. Now, the second part of that bureaucracy argument is everybody who has private insurance knows this. The private companies have enormous bureaucracies. You know, what kind of treatment can you get? What, what kind of treatment can't you get? What is optional? What is not optional? What, you know, elective surgeries, etc. What doctors you can go to? Do you have to go to a, your primary physician first before going to another physician? God forbid you should have an immediate problem and you need to see a specialist. No, you got to go to your primary first. Your bureaucracy. We're talking about bureaucracy? We're talking about bureaucracy. Okay? So, of course. It, now, the thing is, I'm not saying the public option is going to be mana from heaven and since the government runs it, there'll be no problems. Come on. And do they also have to make choices? Do they say, hey, you know what, um, if you're going to do, uh, let's say, liposuction, that's an elective surgery, and the public option, public insurance will not cover that. Is that possible? Of course. Probably that is the case. Now, but that's why, it's imp why I love this option, uh, because it, that's what it is. You can add on top of it. It doesn't get rid of the private system at all. So if you want extra insurance to cover liposuctions or maybe real issues that you have to deal with but that aren't covered for whatever reason under public insurance, you can still get that extra layer of insurance. It doesn't get rid of any of that. So they're, they're not telling you the truth here. And then when you get into the numbers, it says, oh, Medicare owes $38 trillion. Now, the reality is Medicare was supposed to have this enormous surplus, which, of course, the Republicans looted. Now, no, no, Republicans and Democrats looted, right? But for the Republicans to pretend that they don't know that they were part of that looting process, in fact, that they had presidents who authorized it and looted it for a long, long time, Reagan, Bush, second Bush, etc. It's a, uh, come on, to say it's misleading is an understatement. They took the surplus and they already spent it on their wars, etc., etc., and then they say, oh, you see that? They ran out of money. Well, they wouldn't have run out of money if you hadn't spent all the surplus. Now, actually, the reality is they would have at some point, but at a much later date, and they wouldn't have completely run out. They would have only been able to cover about 70 to 80 percent of the cost that Medicare has now further down the road. And that's an issue that's legitimate but could have been tackled, honestly, I think fairly easily if we hadn't looted all the money and already spent it. Uh, so it, that is an accounting problem. That is not Medicare's problem. In fact, Medicare finance, Social Security certainly, and to a lesser degree, Medicare, uh, financed all of our deficit spending uh, already. And when he says, what does the government do well and what does it not do well? Uh, well, actually, funny enough that he should mention Medicare, Medicare costs, now I've read several different reports on this, lowest end is 2%, highest end is 5%. What is that? That's overhead. The amount, percentage of their cost that goes to overhead, to bureaucracy, if you will. So 2 to 5% of the money that goes into Medicare goes into overhead, and you say, oh, well, yeah, I don't like overhead, I want the actual treatment. I understand there needs to be some overhead. So private uh, companies handle that much better, right? Because they're so much more efficient and they don't have the government bureaucracy. You ready for this? Anywhere between 10 to 25% of private insurance, it goes towards overhead. The average seems to be about, now having read four or five different articles on it, and nobody has a, an absolute number on it, but the average appears to be about 17% of private insurance money goes towards overhead much more inefficient, much worse than Medicare. So when Tom Coburn says, you see, the government doesn't do it well, he either doesn't know that that's not the case at all or does know and is purposely misleading. And um, 
a final thing on it? No, I think that about covers. So, oh, and uh, he mentioned the affordability. And the, the reason Chuck Grassley told you there's going to be 119 million people going to the healthcare side, uh, to, to the public option side, is because it's going to be more affordable. So for him to, hey, look, if the private options or private insurance is more affordable, then they got nothing to worry about with the public option. L let us set it up, and in the end, everybody will take private insurance, and their corporate butt buddies will be ecstatic. So no problem, right? Yeah, they're afraid it's going to work. That's the real problem. speech and and since this country can't seem to do what every other western democracy does which is give its people real health care free affordable health care uh they're trying to there's a there's a big round of applause for every other western democracy <laughs> they're trying to tiptoe into gingerly get into this idea of the public option plan. He mentioned it in front of the doctors. It met a very stony silence there. Uh, and the response from the right wing, from the conservatives, seems to be that we can't have this public option because the HMOs and the private insurance companies wouldn't be able to compete. Because shouldn't the public option is so good. <laughs> shouldn't our response be good? I, I, <laughs> I don't get that argument this at is, all. This is really interesting. Germany, Switzerland and France all have a mixture of public and private plans. None of those countries are trying to roll back on the public plan. In Britain, we have a purely public plan, and even the Conservative Party calls it one of our great national treasures. So the countries that have some sort of a public plan, actually, you know what, they seem to like it. It seems to actually work pretty well, and no one wants to get rid of it. So this idea of demonizing this as some sort of step towards socialism, it's, it just seems to me so out of touch with reality. Well, they try to have it both ways. Uh, on the one hand, they say, well, uh, little old Aetna could never compete, uh, or the other big insurance companies, <laughs> yeah. uh, because, because the plan will be so generous and so good. But it, then they tell us, oh, it'll be so terrible. That you won't want to get it. It'll be, it'll, oh, it'll be so. They need to pick their, their, their indictment here. And the truth is, I think we need it to keep them honest. And the, um, and the other hypocrisy there is that they always say, with a big eye roll, whenever there's some federal involvement in something, it's going to be awful because, you know, the federal government can't do anything. But somehow they're too formidable opponent to get into the right. health care thing. Right. It's sort of like in Las Vegas, when if you start winning, they throw you out of the casino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it can't be any worse, right? Like, I don't, they, they're complaining that's going to be no, a No, we're 37 dollars. in health care in the world. Right. Yeah. That seems... That but you also great. Spend... We're behind Morocco. <laughs> <laughs> 
But you, no, I'm not kidding. you also behind. spend a lot more than anyone else in order to be 37th. Right. Well, we that spend a lot of time like on the last two years of your life, right? Like we, we need to make some honest decisions about where we want to spend our health care money. Like the Eskimos just put you on an ice floe at some point, right? But we, also, we need to start thinking about where we, what's important to us. No. Kill sicker older people. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Now there's a point of view that can spark debate on this panel. But you know, Kill okay. sicker older people. No, okay. <laughs> what, is the democratic, yeah. what is the democratic position on that? I'm going to come out against, uh, well, maybe the sicker ones, because older people vote more Republican these days. We're better with young people, so I don't know. No, what we really spend our money on, though, Joel, in this system is trying to figure out how to not cover people who've paid for their premiums. I, there was a hearing this week, and no network covered it, including mine, CNN, uh, and they, they had witnesses, people who'd paid their health insurance premium for months or years and then committed the sin of getting sick, and the insurance companies kicked them off. Uh, and then they had insurance company executives, and they were asked under oath, will you stop doing this? Will you stop kicking people off, unless they've committed fraud, okay? But short of fraud, will you cover the people who pay their premiums? And they all under oath said, no. That's why we need a public plan, because they'll keep kicking you off if you're paying your... terms of not being able to save money, that you have this crazy system where people who aren't insured end up having to go to the emergency room when they have a cold because they can't go and see a doctor. And so the moment they have a headache or a sneeze, they end up in the emergency room, which is the most expensive place to treat anybody. I mean, it's a, and the least pleasant. The system, and the le <laughs> yeah, not just the least pleasant, but it seems to me a, I, this system is full of crazy wastes of money. And, yep. and, 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 and nobody's really saying, where are we actually going to make choices and, where we're not going to have this and waste nobody, of money? And nobody, I'm sorry, including the president, really addressing the key issues, which are why are we so sick? The disaster that is our diet would be number one on my list. Now, yeah, and I'm not sure that planting a vegetable garden in the White House is really addressing America. It's a good, that, that's, the, that's a good a, start, a good but, start, but, you know, he, he did mention that, you know, you should stop eating fast food or curtail it. You know, he didn't really mention that the crap in the supermarket is pretty much just as bad. Uh, and, you know, I mean, they, as my friend Michael Pollan, who was on originally, said, you know, cheap food is not really cheap because it comes back to make you sick later on. But Obama didn't go after, for example, the corn lobby. If you really want to get at what is making us sick, you're going to have to talk about ending corbs, corn. He made a run at the farm bill, right? It just got kicked back by his own party. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not, you can't completely just blame him. Oh, no, well, <laughs> let me <laughs> lob that over the net to no, you. I think, no, I think all of that's a big part of it. More than any president that I can recall, this guy is speaking out about, about prevention. He's pushing people. I, I think it's great what the First Lady's doing. She brought a bunch of kids in this week. They ate the vegetables out of the garden, and then she said, now you're my ambassadors. And she didn't just bring kids in. She brought cameras in. So all across the country, all around the world, uh, I think they're modeling the right kinds of behavior. But first, we got to deal with the cost. I mean, before you can start to, to change America's diet, we just got to figure out how to make sure that you get covered when you get sick. And, you know, in the fullness of time, we can try to fix everything, but we ought to fix what we can first. When you try your best, but you don't succeed. When you get what you want, but not what you need. When you feel so tired, but you can't sleep. Stuck in And the tears come streaming down your face 
shows public support for the tandem of public and private health care options, nearing three-quarters support from all Americans. And a key Democratic senator says she's not sure her Democratic colleagues will support it. In our third story in the countdown, the natural solution here, get new Democratic senators. The new CBS News New York Times poll shows 72% of Americans say they want a choice between a government-run plan and a private one, and that 57% are even willing to pay more taxes to get it. The poll also shows Americans trust the government more than private insurers, half saying Washington would do a better job at providing coverage. 59% saying it would be better at holding down costs. Yet this weekend, Senator Dianne Feinstein called cost control such a problem that the president, even though Democrats have the numbers, may not have the votes. So today, Mr. Obama began putting pressure on the naysayers, bringing back his old campaign slogan, Yes, We Can. He today pulled in AARP CEO Barry Rand to announce a deal with U.S. drug companies to cut prescription drug costs for the elderly, called the agreement a significant breakthrough on the road to health care reform. And this week, the president begins his pitch to the people, which includes a news conference tomorrow at a town hall meeting on Wednesday. Let's turn now to the former governor of Vermont, former DNC chair and author of Howard Dean's Prescription for Real Health Care Reform. Governor Howard Dean, thank you for your time tonight, sir. Thanks for having me on, Keith. If there are two polls in a week that show 70%, nearly three-quarters support for some form of government-generated health insurance, why is Senator Feinstein encountering resistance from other Senate Democrats? One of the problems in the Senate is it becomes about the Senate instead of what's good for the country. Uh, the idea that 40 members of a determined minority can obstruct what 72% of Americans want is ridiculous. And th th you've got to put aside this notion that bipartisanship is always good. Bipartisanship is a good thing when both sides want to work together, but they don't. Uh, the Republicans just want to kill this bill just like they tried to kill Medicare, and the Democrats have got to stand up to them. If we learned anything in the last four years, you only win when you stand up to obstructionism. And the Democrats have got to get their act together and move forward with this. A, a health insurance plan without a public health insurance option is not health care reform, and they need to get this done. That 72% support figure in the CBS poll is everybody. The Democrats surveyed in this poll are 87% in favor and 9% against. And given that, if Democratic, see, but if they're Democratic senators opposed to this, does not the only answer follow? You have to present the threat of new Democratic senators to replace those Democratic senators. That's what's going to. That's what. That's what will happen. But it, it's not a good thing. Look, these senators are good people, and I. The, what happens when you get in the Senate is you become consumed with what goes on in the Senate, and you lose touch with what goes on elsewhere. And this is exactly what I was trying to do when I first got to be the chairman uh, of, the, of the Democratic Party. You've got, the votes are outside Washington, not inside Washington. It would be a disaster in the midterms and a disaster for the president if we allowed this bill to go down in the Senate. There has to be a public health insurance option. Three-quarters of the American people want one. What, what would happen, and I don't think the Democratic senators believe this, but it will look to the American public mm -hmm. like these senators supported the health insurance industry instead of what yes. was good for the American people. Let the American people choose. Let them make their choice. That's what they want here. Even in terms of party loyalty, not that you want a bunch of obsequious yes man in every political party 100% of the time, but maybe 10% of the time. Is that okay? Is there no, is there no party <laughs> discipline? Is the, I mean, the Republicans seem to be fairly good at that. Where is a little, little touch of that when the Democrats need it? 
it's not so much the party discipline, it's the spine to stand up to people when they're really being obstructionist. Mm. The Republicans just appear to be tougher and more disciplined. And we have got to stand up and do what's right. 72% of the American people want the choice, including in places like Indiana and Delaware and, and states where folks are not can't make up their mind. We need a choice. The American people want, they, they don't necessarily want a, everybody in Medicare. They just want to choose for themselves. And I think it's time that the American people get to make that choice and not the insurance lobby and not the Senate and not the Congress and not the president and not insurance company bureaucrats. Let the American people choose. That is the message. Three to one. And we've just, the pe people in Washington have got to make sure. We worked so hard to get this big majority. They've got to use it and they've got to pass a public health insurance option. Real health reform. Yeah, 72%. And by the way, among Republicans, it's 50 to 39 in favor. Governor Howard Dean, yeah. as always, thanks for your time tonight, sir. You're not going to want to miss what we have available at the brand new Best of the Left store. You can get all of our great designs, including some cool retro ones that no one's ever seen before, on all kinds of great Cafe Press apparel and other fun items they have available. If you prefer a Cafe Press alternative, we got you covered. Check out everything we have available at our Print Fection store. Aside from all that fun stuff, we've got something really useful for you. We've just started a brand new podcast by mail service. So say you know someone, maybe even yourself, who loves the show or would love it, but they're just not tech savvy enough to do the whole podcasting thing. They couldn't download it every week, not going to listen online. Give them a podcast by mail subscription and they'll have the CDs of every edition sent right to their house every week. All this now available at the new store at bestoftheleft.com. Uh, well, Barack Obama yesterday pushing the uh, public uh, option. We've talked about this on the show a number of times. This is uh, where the government provides insurance as an option to people. You can go with your private insurance or you can go with the government option. And there's been a bunch of uh, nonsense talking points thrown out there by the Republicans, which, of course, TV has run wild with. Uh, but luckily, uh, Nora O'Donnell of MSNBC had Howard Dean on to talk about it. Uh, first clip, we're going to see uh, Judd Gregg, and he's going to, uh, uh, the Republican senator from New Hampshire is going to uh, throw out one of those red herrings, and then Howard Dean is going to bat it down. So let's go to clip number four here. Here's what New Hampshire Senator Judd Gregg told me just this morning. You don't need a public option at all. In fact, a public option is simply a stocking horse for a single-payer plan, a system like they have in Canada or England, where the government basically manages all of health care, and you end up with rationing and delays. And as Senator McConnell said, you end up with a bureaucrat between you and your doctor. Dr. Howard Dean is a former chairman of the DNC and former governor of Vermont. Um, chairman, governor, doctor, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Good to have you here. Thanks for having let me, me ask on, Nora. You, let me ask you to address Senator Gregg's criticism. Is a public option a stocking horse for just government control? Well, we've got to ask the Republicans to get the politics out of this and get down to work. Right now, there is a bureaucrat between you and your doctor, and it's a private health insurance bureaucrat. And what we want to do is give the American people a choice. Why the Republicans are always against letting people choose for themselves, I don't know. But give the American people a choice. Let them choose a public health insurance option or let them continue in their private sector insurance. But the yeah. private sector hasn't treated people very well. And I think, that, I think we need a public health insurance option for people to choose between. 
I mean, how sensible is it? When he frames it like that, you're like, oh, well, why wouldn't I want another choice? Which is what I think as a consumer. I think, all right, these private insurers cost a lot of money. If the government says they can do it cheaper, let me see what they got. Maybe their service isn't as good, but I'd like to see, and I'd like to see if they can do it cheaper. And it sounds very reasonable, does a great job here. He's going to keep going. Uh, O'Donnell's going to ask him, hey, aren't doctors against it? And Howard D's going to explain what the reality is. Governor, you have the president going to address doctors, physicians at the American Medical Association, and they don't support this plan. Let me just read to you what the president of the AMA said. She said this, quote, we absolutely oppose government control of health care decisions or mandatory physician participation in any insurance plan. So if doctors don't support it, why well, would this plan which, work? What you just said uh, is with the mistake, that's how the New York Times got themselves in trouble. I agree with what the AMA just said there. And I'm a big supporter of a uh, public uh, health insurance option. I think people ought to give a, cho a big choice. But, you know, we're not, that's exactly the point. We're not trying to tell doctors what to do. We're trying to get the insurance companies to stop telling doctors what to do and let doctors be free. And they're not, they are free under Medicare. You don't have bureaucrats telling you what you can and can't do under Medicare. But you do have bureaucrats in the private insurance industry doing that. And so the Republicans have got to stop this stuff. We need to give, the, all we're trying to do is try to give the American people a choice between a system that is run by a fair uh, uh, intermediary, which is the government, to make sure that the insurance companies stop denying people coverage, stop taking insurance away when people get sick, and stop having bureaucrats tell the doctors what to do. Yeah, look, again, fantastic job in explaining what it is. He said bureaucrats. Uh, I mean, he's going to get into this a little bit more later, I believe, but... He's like, the bureaucrats are the guys in the private insurance. I mean, how many times have you, the doctors had trouble getting payment uh, from uh, the bureaucrats in the private insurance? How many times have you been denied coverage or uh, because of the bureaucrats in the private insurance field? And he said, look, we're going to get a fair intermediary here who's not going to deny you coverage. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It's a choice that you have. Now, as I look at Howard Stern, uh, I'm sorry, that's a funny Slip. Howard Dean doing a great job here. I think, why is this guy not the Health and Human Sec uh, Services Secretary, right? And then second of all, I think, well, where the hell is the Health and Human Services Secretary? Where's Kathleen Sebelius? Why is she not on TV making these arguments? Why does Obama drop a two-minute little segment in, you know, in a speech in a, at, at the AMA and not have all of his guys on TV forcefully arguing what Howard Dean is doing such a good job of arguing for basically by himself, not supported by the government or anyone else? So here, let's go to clip number three here uh, and, uh, and have him finish up with Nora O'Donnell. Governor, can you address the criticism that's been out there, though, that a government plan, why would we give, or a public option plan, um, would have the same kind of uh, wasteful spending, et cetera, that Medicare and Medicaid have, and so why would we want to recreate well, now, and grow again, that? that somebody's making things up. Uh, in fact, the costs of running Medicare are much, much cheaper than the costs of running private health insurance. Medicare doesn't have to pay big salaries to the CEO. Medicare doesn't have to pay for advertising. Medicare doesn't have to give its, its uh, big profits to uh, investors uh, because they're owned, but these are Wall Street publicly owned. Yeah, but companies. doctors don't like it because they only get 80% of what they would under a private insurance yes, plan. Yes, and when we did something like this in Vermont, which resulted in every child in Vermont under the age of 18 had health insurance, 
having health insurance, we raised rates for primary care providers, so that problem would be fixed. Look, I'm not trying to tell you that government options are the government option is the perfect one. All I'm trying to tell you is let the American people choose for themselves, and you'll find the private insurers will behave much more fairly towards average consumers once they know there's going to be uh, some place for consumers to go if they don't like their private insurance company. And then finally, I do think this is a key point, Governor. If uh, the average American has a choice then between this public or government option and their private insurer, how then do you not insure, how do you ensure that then employers don't drop coverage for some of their employees now that there's this safety net out there which is a public option? Well, the Obama bill says that it's pay or play, that if you do drop, then you've got to put, pay money into the fund. The other thing is this co-op thing, this is not a real compromise. This is a Senate problem. This is a fix for the Senate problem. It doesn't fix the American problem. I think the co-ops are a fine idea, and, but they won't work. And I love Ken well, Conrad. I think he's a great senator, but the co He's a Democrat, too. He's yeah. a Democrat. He's a wonderful human being, and I, I, I just I hope he gets reelected forever because he's just a great guy. But he's wrong about this. The co-ops are too small to compete with the big private insurance companies. They will kill the co-ops simply by undercutting them and using their uh, financial clout to do it. In the small states like mine and like Senator Conrad, you're never going to get to the 500,000 number signed up in the co-op that you need to, to have, for them to have any marketing. So this is a compromise that's de designed to deal with problems in the Senate, mm. but it doesn't deal with problems in, in America. And I think it's time for the Senate to stop playing politics, do what has to be done. If the Republicans don't want to get on board, and they certainly have never done, look, the Republicans all were against Medicare when we put that in. If the Republicans don't want to get on board, then we can do this without the Republicans. Mm. We have the votes to do a public health insurance option without a single Republican vote and without the, the one or two Democrats that have said no. And if that's what we have to do, we've got to do the right thing for the American people, not the political thing for the Senate. God, I love this guy, man. He seems like he's the lone man out there fighting by himself as the Republicans throw talking point after talking point. Where the hell's the Obama administration? I know he spoke out on it yesterday uh, a little bit, but why aren't there guys on TV from the administration saying uh, the same exact things uh, Howard Dean is saying, saying it forcefully until it gets beat into everybody's head? It's only a choice. It's, you have more bureaucracy in the private insurance, and look at what he said there. Look, Medicare pays 80%, she said, to some providers. Well, then that means you're getting some sort of uh, savings from that. And he said, no, in fact, we would raise the amount that the primary uh, care providers are getting because for those of you not in the medical field, the primary care providers are getting a lot less money usually than the specialists. And uh, in fact, that there's a huge imbalance there, and we might be much better off raising the salaries of some of the primary care providers. And if some of the specialists take a hit, when they're making some make three, four hundred thousand, some make a million dollars a year, you know, sometimes just to take x rays. Now, I don't want to diminish their work and what they've done to get there, et cetera, but if they take a little bit of a hit there so that we could all have a little lower rates and the primary care providers could have a little higher salary and we can get some sort of balance, I can live with that. But all of that will be worked out by the market because ultimately you have the choice. Why is Howard Dean the only one saying this? And finally, how does Howard Dean really feel about Kent Conrad? <laughs> all right, all right, I got it, Howard. You love him, and you want him to get reelected. In other words, hey, look, I'm not trying to bash people here, but, and I'm not trying to threaten people here, but come over to the right side. Let's do this the right way. You know, there's an upside and a downside to uh, not working with us. I know the upside is you're going to get a lot of money from the health care companies, but there is a downside here. But for the moment being, we're saying we love you. Do the right thing here. I'm not sure I agree with Dean's approach there, but, but it is an interesting one. This here is the place where I will be staying. There isn't a number you 
perspectives on health care from the White House and from one county in Maryland. First, President Obama took his effort to sell a health care overhaul to the American Medical Association. The AMA represents about a third of practicing doctors. Mr. Obama spoke today at the group's annual meeting in Chicago. The cost of our health care is a threat to our economy. It's an escalating burden on our families and businesses. It's a ticking time bomb for the federal budget. And it is unsustainable for the United States of America. The president spoke out against critics who say he is advocating government-run health care. He said they are not telling the truth. And he re-emphasized a guiding principle. Fix what's broken and build on what works. If we do that, we can build a health care system that allows you to be physicians instead of administrators and accountants, a system that gives Americans a system that gives Americans the best care at the lowest cost, a system that eases up the pressure on businesses and unleashes the promise of our economy, creating hundreds of thousands of jobs, making take-home wages thousands of dollars higher, and growing our economy by tens of billions of dollars more every year. Mr. Obama outlined reforms that range from changing how doctors get paid to investing more in preventive care to computerizing medical records. It simply doesn't make sense that patients in the 21st century are still filling out forms with pens on papers that have to be stored away somewhere. As Newt Gingrich has rightly pointed out, and I don't quote Newt Gingrich that often, <laughs> we do a better job tracking a FedEx package in this country than we do tracking patients' health records. President Obama speaking today to doctors with the American Medical Association. With health care high on Washington's agenda, we went to one locale to see how the big national issues play out there, a place we'll return to as the debate progresses. In Howard County, Maryland, near Baltimore, I spoke with patients, doctors, administrators, and employers about the costs of health care and about access to the health care system. I also asked them what would define success at health care reform. Clarity. Offering affordable, comprehensive, quality health coverage for everyone who's... Appropriate care for all Americans. That does not mean providing access to care through the emergency department for everyone. Success would be working collaboratively with the government, with payers, with physicians. We're not having to spend all of her Social Security check on one of her prescriptions. It's like $500 a month. Having all kids be insured and that parents have adequate financial coverage for that access. I think success would be everybody covered, but I think just kind of like auto insurance, you're going to, you know, it's a it's a pay or play. Howard County is not typical. It's rich, it's progressive. It's in Maryland where the state government sets hospital fees. The local hospital is part of the elite Johns Hopkins system, and last year the county itself launched its own program for the uninsured. If problems with health care can be solved anywhere, they should be solved here. But after hearing from so many of the different stakeholders, it's the magnitude of the problems I was struck by, not the obviousness of the solutions. The problem we'll hear about today... The recession. Take Herb Houston, who's 61. He was in a semi-private room at Howard County General last month. Until that week, he had seldom seen the inside of a hospital. First time was in 1956 for a tonsillectomy. 
Uh, the second time was in 1973 uh, for injuries uh, in an auto accident. Herb worked as a computer programmer from the late 1960s until 2005. I worked on everything from uh, huge mainframe computers down to personal computers and quite a few things in between. He says he always had health insurance, insurance that he very seldom claimed against. Then, in his late 50s, Herb was laid off. For 18 months, he was covered by Cobra. Then Cobra ran out, and he didn't have a job. Herb knew that he needed another health insurance policy. I was beginning to uh, search around for um, a replacement plan when the uh, current economic crisis hit. And instead of uh, taking on new expenses, I had to desperately turn back my already existing expenses. The luckiest item for me was that I actually paid off my mortgage in August of last year. The unluckiest was what happened one Saturday night in May. Uh, I was uh, uh, at home uh, about uh, 10 p.m. when I woke from an after-dinner nap uh, with uh, pretty acute chest pains. Herb Houston knew it was a heart attack. He called 911. And by the time I met him, three days later, he had received a cardiac catheterization. He was in good spirits, completely satisfied with his treatment, and trying not to think about the cost, which should easily exceed $50,000. You know, thinking about your, your situation uh, with so few hospitalizations in your life, yes, all those years you were contributing uh, premiums, Exactly. The, putting money in. The various uh, insurers for my employer uh, got a real bargain from me because I hardly ever made claims. But now Herb is uninsured. He is neither old enough for Medicare nor poor enough for Medicaid. And the thing is, this is going to be continuing. I've gone from someone who had very little interaction with uh, the medical profession to the complete opposite. And the cost of it all is on him. I'm just going to do your vital signs. I know that Dr. Minford added some new last... On the other hand, there is Judy Weeder, who was also treated at Howard County General. She is 62. She lives in Ellicott City, Maryland. She's divorced, the mother of one grown child. And I was diagnosed with breast cancer in February 2009, and I paid no premium. None. I'm one of the, f I think, probably few fortunates that that is one of the benefits of where I work. Your employer? My employer. I have no monthly co-payments for my ins health insurance. That was a marvelous plus with this job I have. What What is in my drugs that is changing taste? Do you know? The chemotherapy. Oh, it's the chemo that's doing it. Yes, and you may feel that... It's a private sector job. She's an executive assistant with a search firm. I was with Judy Weeder at Maryland Oncology. She was getting her second chemotherapy treatment that day. She has already had a lumpectomy, and she expects radiation treatments after the chemo. The cost to you will be? Probably zero. Zero. Other than my co-pays, it's $20. It's my entire health cost. A $20 copay. Co the... Um, <laughs> So far, I'm starting to get those reports back from my health insurance, and I'm seeing the many, 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 many thousands of dollars being spent on me, and I've only had one treatment and two surgeries, and it's incredible. I'm, I'm blessed. I know it.
most people in Howard County, Maryland, are somewhere between Judy Weeder's situation, at the top of the scale with perfect insurance coverage, and Herb Houston's at the other end with no coverage at all. But because of the recession, a lot of people have reduced their coverage. Linda Faggio administers the oncology practice where Judy gets chemo. We're seeing many patients that are uninsured, but also increasing number of patients who are underinsured and are simply not able to carry the adequate coverage or afford the adequate coverage, and the burden of the cost of that is now their own. Out of pocket, they're paying for their own chemotherapy. Absolutely, and you know they may have a 5000 or $10,000 deductible, and that's the only way they can afford coverage at all. No one anticipates that they're going to be diagnosed with cancer, and it's not unusual to have a dose of chemotherapy be multiple, several thousand dollars a dose, um, up to even $10,000 a dose. Often, those patients have reduced their coverage because their employers have reduced their contributions. Lisa Jollis is a Howard County insurance broker. Her clients, the employers, have typically experienced huge losses of business in the recession. A lot of them, their thinking is the employee may have to pay more for the health plan, but they still have a job. In, in, in hard times, save the jobs, trim the benefits. That's what I'm seeing. I mean, I'm seeing employers who had paid 100% of everything cutting back to we're paying 25% of everything, but you still have a job. Well, before we start, let's just check a couple of... One of her clients is Lynn Egan, who employs 15 people at Lakeview Title in Columbia, Maryland. They do mortgage closings. Property address is correct. There's been a rare bright spot to the business lately. Homeowners are refinancing en masse, so there are closings once again. Interest rate, 4.75%. But when the residential real estate market crashed, Lynn Egan cut her staff, and she went from paying 100% of her employees' health insurance to a 50-50 split. There are also higher deductibles that are covered in part by health savings accounts. Of course, 2008, we didn't know what hit us. So, of course, we needed to make adjustments for the economy. Every business did. Uh, Obviously, we needed to look at cuts in the payroll, and our whole budget, health care, was a big number. How big? For a family of four, how much does health insurance cost? Oh, I would guess probably about 1100 a month. 1100 a month or uh, mm-hmm. $13,000 a year, right, something right. on that order. Yeah. What you used to do was cover that 100%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 50% would be 6500 bucks that you pay for, 6500 bucks that the employee pays right, for right. her family. So mm-hmm. Multiplied by 15 people adds up. Right, and actually when we were doing that, we had probably 25 people, so it really added up. We're talking about a couple hundred thousand dollars. That's, exactly. That's exactly. the difference here between which way you go. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that, that's certainly a number that becomes unsustainable, especially when the economy starts to contract. Small businesses like Lynn Egan's have been making similar decisions in Howard County and all over the country. Workers who are laid off get COBRA, and without a new job, they could end up uninsured. But workers who keep their jobs face steeply increased premiums as the burden shifts to them and as they take cheaper options and risk being underinsured.
is a fractured and fragile Middle East in the quest for lasting peace while still balancing the demands of a two-front active war on terror, all while attempting to prevent a real-life remake of the Grapes of Wrath in this country. <laughs> There's something else he wants you to know. The moment is right for healthcare reform. What? The moment is right for... I'm sorry? The moment's also right for healthcare reform? Oh, I'm sorry. Were you bored? <laughs> Not enough on the plate? Jedi Master? You ever hear of Sudoku? Sudoku? Sudaku? Whatever the... In a speech before the AMA, Obama set out his new bold plan. Either that or he was reading his New Year's resolutions. It means quitting smoking. It means going for a run or hitting the gym and raising our children to step away from the video games and spend more time playing outside. It also means cutting down on all the junk food that's fueling an epidemic of obesity. Really, frat brothers? <laughs> I'm 46. You really think peer pressure is going to knock me out? <laughs> my uvula just got diarrhea on the back of my palate. Judging me, Obama. <laughs> you let me get to the joke. <laughs> so explain to me again uh, why I have to stop eating sausage wrapped in pancake on a stip <laughs> dipped in bacon A's. If we do not fix our healthcare system, America may go the way of GM. What? Did you just threaten us that if we don't change our ways, we're going to get a multi-billion dollar bailout? <laughs> I'm only human. <laughs> the president's plan calls for a massive expansion of Medicare and a public option for health insurance to compete with private insurers, or to put it another way. It will be the first step in destroying the best health care system the world has ever known. Yeah, for you, you're a senator. No waiting period, no rejections based on pre-existing conditions. You probably know your doctor's first name. Oh, uh, yeah, Gary, I'm doing okay. See you again in three months for my quarterly pre-cancer computerized full body scan that I don't need but like to be naked for. <laughs> Though it should be said, Congress's health plan hasn't helped John Boehner's long-running battle with Orange Face. If you like uh, going to the DMV and you think they do a great job, or you like going to the post office and think it's the most efficient thing you've run into, then you'll love the government-run health care system. Yeah, if you like the military protecting the country or doctors helping veterans, you'll love this new government plan. By the way, why are you on the post office for 44 cents someone comes to your house picks up some piece of crap you wrote and takes it to wyoming on a plane but give me another talking point we don't want reform that means 
a government bureaucrat being inserted between the doctor and the patient. Like England has, like Canada has, that leads inevitably to putting a Washington bureaucrat between you and your doctor. Bureaucrats between a doctor and a patient. Bureaucrats between the doctor and the patient. Where are you going to put the bureaucrat? <laughs> yes, God forbid a Washington bureaucrat replace my beloved Connecticut health insurance bureaucrat. <laughs> Or worse yet, that anything replaces the health insurance plan I had before I was 32 and actually qualified for real health insurance. I believe my plan then was called Excedrin PM and Colt 45. You may have noticed that the Best of the Left podcast has begun to run advertisements. And I just wanted to take a moment to thank you, the audience, for helping to support the show by supporting our advertisers. You've helped to make these advertising campaigns a success for not only the advertisers, but also this show. Now, I just wanted to throw out there that if you have a product, business, or service that you'd like to advertise on the Best of the Left, we are now and will be accepting new advertisers. And of course, listeners of the show who want to advertise will get a nice discount. If you're interested, simply write me an email to j at bestoftheleft.com. give you uh, the very good and interesting news about the public option and tell you how that plays into uh, the politics of the moment. So uh, last week we had had an NBC Wall Street Journal poll that said that 76% uh, of Americans supported the public option. Now that was such an overwhelming number that conservatives uh, got mad and said, oh yeah, that, that poll is nonsense. I mean, Wall Street Journal, they're such liberals. Of course, that doesn't make any sense, but they said it anyway. They said, oh, there's something fishy about that poll. Uh, that number can't possibly be that high. So, uh, interesting, because two new polls come out now. The New York Times CBS News poll showing that 72% of those questions supported the government-administered public insurance plan. So, backing up the 76% number. And if you think that wasn't large enough, then we got an Employee Benefits Research Institute poll. That's a D.C. policy think tank. And there's a twist to this. Wait, though. Uh, that number was 83% in favor of the public plan. And you know who conducted that poll? The insurance lobby. They thought they were going to get a bad number, and instead they got 83%, either very much or somewhat in favor of the public option. So now when you consider those three polls, 83%, 76%, 72%, those numbers are overwhelming. I mean... It's a huge number if something gets to 60% of Americans agreeing. When uh, the Iraq war got to the point where 60% of Americans thought it was a mistake, the, everybody, conventional wisdom was, it's over. America thinks it's a mistake and you can't recover. Well, how about when you get to 75%? So, now, obviously, we're going to get the public plan, right? Basically, about 76% of Americans agree with it. Apparently not, because, there, of course, all of the Republicans are completely against it. Even though that New York Times CBS News poll shows that more than half of Republicans are in favor of the public plan. Nine in ten Democrats, three quarters of independents, and more than 50% of Republicans. So the numbers are overwhelming. Yet the Republicans are, of course, intransigent. No, 
because they're not the Republican Party that represent Republican voters. They're the Republican Party that represent the corporations. And if the corporations don't want it, they won't vote for it no matter what. The number could be 98% and they still won't vote for it because they're not representing the people. They're representing the people who pay them, the corporate lobbyists. Now, it's when you get, get to the Democrats, the same applies to a number of them that call themselves centrist. Krugman wrote a great editorial explaining how, of course, they're not centrist. They're nowhere near the middle of the country. They're against the public option. When, for example, when the whole, when the overwhelming majority of Americans are in favor of the public option. So now, how, now polls have a lot of numbers. And I'll give you more on this in a second. But how does this matter? How does it affect public policy? Well, now that we got three different polls saying, look, you don't get it. This isn't a close issue. American people are 100% in favor, well, 76% in favor, or 72%, or 83%, take whatever you like, but being on the minority side of that is not where you want to be as a politician, right? Now what are you going to do about it? Well, all of a sudden, not the Republicans, because they're bought and paid for, but some of the de Democrats are like, huh, interesting. Backpedal? 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 Uh, it isn't a full backpedal, backpedal, backpedal yet, but it's getting there. So Schumer comes out, and he was the one negotiating between the so-called centrist Democrats and the rest of the Democrats. And he says, well, you know, we were trying to work something out with co-ops and stuff, but, yeah, I'm thinking that isn't working out. Maybe we should insist on the public option. Of course you should insist on the public option. You should have been there all along. But uh, now that you, the American people, have spoken, well, they're a little closer there. Okay. Well, we're making progress, as George Bush would say. So, um, now I'll get to the effects of that uh, more in a second, too, but I've got to give you more numbers from the polls. Um, when they asked uh, Americans, hey, how about what, what should we cover, right? Um, first of all, are you satisfied, I should say? And they said 85% of respondents said uh, no, that the healthcare system needed to be not just changed, but fundamentally changed. That's 85%. Okay, so that's a huge number as well. That also goes in their th line of thinking. Now, here's a really interesting number that cuts in a couple of directions. 77% uh, said that they were very or somewhat satisfied with the quality of their own care. Now you say, oh, wait a minute, that's interesting. If they're satisfied with their own health care, maybe we don't have as big a problem as we think, right? And I thought that too. Uh, and, and there is some validity to that. But when you look deeper into the numbers, here's what they are concerned about. Number one, yes, the quality I get is good. When I go to the doctor, he's not a quack. You know, he treats me fairly well, and I get things addressed uh, according to 77% of Americans. But I'm worried about the cost. I think the cost is out of control. But what I found to be really interesting is that they're more worried about their fellow Americans. Now, this is the kind of thing that the Republicans think is, you know, I'm sure that makes their heads blow up. Wait a minute, you're supposed to be fundamentally selfish. Why do you care about other Americans? But the poll has amazing numbers, so let's go to that. Uh, they said half of those questions said they thought the government would be better at providing medical co coverage than private insurance. So that's another positive sign for the public option. Uh, and that's up from 30% in 2007. 60% said Washington would have more success in holding down costs. And that's up from 47%. So that's 
good as well. They say, no, we're not buying the Republican ar uh, argument that uh, the public option is going to be more expensive or that private insurance knows how to do this better. No, we think the government does and that it should. 64% uh, thought uh, that the federal government should guarantee coverage. Now, nearly 6 in 10 said that they would be willing to pay higher taxes to make sure that all are insured. And 4 in 10 are willing to pay as much as $400, I'm sorry, $500 more a year. Now, let's stop here, because that's a lot of numbers, right? And, but those last ones were the ones that I wanted to emphasize. When asked, um, what do you care most about? These big numbers, 6 in 10, saying willing to, make, willing to pay higher taxes. I'm willing to pay higher taxes to make sure that other people are covered. Now, if you believe in the Republican school of thought, you would think that that's impossible, <laughs> that no one would ever think that. But they do. The majority of Americans do. And I'm telling you, it, it, and I was reinforced two, three times over. I don't want to read all the numbers to you. But there were three different numbers in the polls that reinforced that idea, where people said, look, universal coverage is most important. I'm fairly satisfied with my own coverage, but I want to make sure everybody's covered. I want to make sure, uh, and other numbers shows that uh, no one can get kicked out for a pre-existing condition, even if they don't have a pre-existing condition. And they get that as a society, we have to be, you know, somewhat humane and, and get to the point where if people are sick, we treat them. If there's a burning building, we go into burning buildings to rescue those people. If there's a crime happening, we don't ask, hey, did you pay your fair share to the cops? We go and bust up the crime so somebody doesn't get hurt. If somebody's sick, we should go take care of them. Uh, I think, now, if you're a Democrat and you actually care about this stuff, and you care about any of the things that you say on the campaign trail. I mean, at the very least, this should be incredibly motivating for you to push forward. And as I now begin to see statements from Democratic politicians, I see them more and more emboldened. At the end of last week, we told you about how the House came out united. Uh, all the different committee chairs, Waxman, Rangel, uh, and Miller came out and said, no, 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 public option or bust. It's now getting to the point where it's non-negotiable. Why? They'd already seen that NBC Wall Street Journal poll. Now these two new polls come out. All of a sudden, you have some Democratic senators saying, well, you know what? Yeah, I'm sensing some momentum towards that public option. It matters, man. You've got to hold their feet to the fire. And, uh, I, you know, maybe I'm making too much of it, but I just think that it's a... Uh, it's, uh, Heart, I, I, I'm struggling. I don't want to say heartwarming because it sounds so corny, right? But damn it if it ain't, you know, encouraging that people actually care about one another, <laughs> you know? And so if Obama... Now, okay, look. Now let's get back to reality, okay, as to what's going to happen in politics. If Obama sees this and the Democrats in the Senate see this and, and they see that the American people are four square for this public plan and for real health care reform and universal coverage and making sure that no one gets left behind uh, for having a pre-existing condition or anything else and they still sell out when they have enormous majorities in the house the senate they control the white house and they have an enormous uh, number of americans supporting them well then that's it it's over Our <laughs> Our government is 100% taken over by the corporations, and we have to do something radical. And by radical, then I'm talking about, yes, we need another party. The Democratic Party isn't doing it. 
yes, we absolutely need to change campaign finance reform, and we need to stop working on all other proposals until that's changed. Because as long as the politicians are owned by the lobbyists, it appears no matter how much we all agree on one thing, we're not going to get it done. Now, has that happened yet? It has not. And I think that these numbers are big enough that they're going to change things. Okay. God forbid only 64% of Americans should have been in favor of the public option. Then it would have been a lot dicier. And it's still really dicey. So, but if, it, if this doesn't change it, then our system is absolutely broken. Now, I know some of you are there already, and you think that already. And I hear you on why you think that. But let's give them a chance here. Let's see what happens over the next couple of weeks and see if they actually get real health care reform. If they do, great. They listen to you. And that there's some hope. Doesn't mean the system's in great shape, but it means there's some hope. If they don't listen to you after all this, then we gotta, we, I mean, I don't wanna be over dramatic, but we have to declare war on the system because the system is wrong. It's not a democracy anymore if they don't, if they don't care at all what the American people think. Then you gotta put up signs saying, where's my vote? And wear green here. Okay, I don't wanna get carried away, but if they don't listen to this, what will they listen to? Thanks for listening, everybody. Now, I have to continue to encourage you to keep those votes coming in at Podcast Alley. I was just looking at some of the shows that are currently in the top 10, and their vote counts are just embarrassingly low. Like, if we had 50 votes, we'd be in the top five. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, so, of course, by the end of the month, we'll have to have, you know, in the vicinity of 150, 200 votes to be in the top 10. But seriously, that is no problem. Head over to our website and there's a link to right where you need to go for you to drop in your vote. Now I just wanted to thank a couple of members as we will continue to do regularly uh, today. I want to thank Craig B, member number 7, and Dan R, member number 9, for helping to keep the show going. They donate to the show on a recurring basis every month, very small amount. I'm sure they don't even notice the money's gone, but it's a huge help to me and to the show to keep it going. If you'd like to become a member, just go to the website and click on the Donate tab. All the details are there. Now, of course, there are other ways to help support the show that don't involve giving money. The number one thing you can do is just tell your friends about it. If you like the show, if you like what you hear, tell all your friends about it. They will be utterly grateful to you for having this new great show to listen to or leave us a review in the iTunes Music Store. All these things are going to help grow the show, help more people hear all this great information that you get to hear twice a week. I mean, who's going to complain about that? So just like that, that is it for today. So of course, what you're going to want to do is stay connected with us, follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, or subscribe to our e-newsletter. And there's all kinds of ways that you can subscribe, get uh, a notification every time we post a show so you never miss one, get our monthly newsletter, or you can just be reminded every month to vote at Podcast Alley. Totally up to you. It's a great support to the show if you leave us reviews in iTunes. And of course, voting at Podcast Alley. Links to these can be found on the website very easily. You can get this show on your smartphone without having to sync it with your computer by going to stitcher.com and finding the show there. And of course, to get all the information about this episode 
You can find the show notes on the blog, find links to all of our sources and the music used in this episode. So, coming to you from inside the Beltway and border, yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name's Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast delivered to you every Wednesday and every weekend from thebestoftheleft.com. Fine, fine, smell black and white You took apart a picture that wasn't right